as I was saying in part five, this is now part six of the series. When we're talking about uh, greed, we were talking about the remedy for it. One of the things, just to kind of do a little recap, that the parable of the rich fool does in Luke chapter 12 is that it does two important things. It first defines greed from God's perspective. And secondly, it, it offers a simple remedy. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat what the remedy for greed is. Okay. The only way, hear me out, the only way that we can break the power of greed in our lives is to do with money that for which it is not made. And that is to give it away. That in order to cure greed from your heart, the remedy for greed is to give. All right? It's to give. Turn with me right now to Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to start, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6. My bad. And we're going to start in verse 19. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's a question that we all need to ask ourselves from time to time, okay? And I want you to really ask yourself this question. I'm asking myself this question as well. Why do I have so much? Why do we have so much? Why are we not satisfied? Why is it that we like to compare ourselves to other people? Oh, you know what? I like his car. I want that car. Oh my goodness, I really like his house. I would love to have a house like that. And we compare ourselves to the Joneses. What we don't realize is that the Joneses are broke. And we think, my friends, that by getting that that they have, that's going to make us happy. And nothing could be farther from the truth. In today's society, my friends, in today's society, in this consumer-driven culture that we live in, it keeps us focused on what we don't have. And focusing on what we don't have leaves our hearts open to greed. I mean, think about it, guys. We buy things with money that we don't have, all right, to impress people that we don't even like, all right? We buy things with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't even like. When we didn't have enough, we wonder why. Why not wonder when we have more than enough? Think about it like this. You, let's say you're a parent, okay? Let's say you're a parent. You have two kids. Doesn't matter if it's two boys, two girls, a boy or a girl or whatever, okay? One of your kids has two lollipops and the other kid has none. You as a parent, you as a parent, all right? What do you think is the right thing to do? One kid doesn't have any, the other kid has two. 
what should you do? Or what are you going to ask the one that has two lollipops to do? What are you going to ask them? You're going to ask them to share, plain and simple, right? I mean, it's such a it's such an easy illustration, but at the same time, it just makes sense. So when we have extra and we see others that don't have, then, hey, that's what it was created for, right? Praise the Lord. I'm glad we're on the same boat over here. Now, let's see how we can get rid of this greed. You give, okay? And give until you get cheerful, okay? Remember, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because greed is not a feeling. Greed is simply a refusal to act. Why should we give? Because God needs it? <laughs> yeah, right. God doesn't need anything from you. God wants stuff from you, such as your heart and your mind and your spirit, of course. But think about it. If God wanted your money, he would take it and there would be a greasy spot where you were sitting like a soul glow. Okay. Think about it. God is about giving. John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that his only begotten son, that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I don't see personally how we can be Christ-like when we don't give. He gave everything. In fact, when the Bible says that um, God loves a cheerful giver, the word for cheerful comes from the Greek hilario, all right, which means hilarious, cheerful. Whoa, man, I'm so happy to give. Giving gives me such joy. Let's go. So giving will give us generous hearts. And the more we give, the less selfish we become. Now, pastor, I don't feel I don't feel cheerful when I give. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. Give until you feel cheerful. You hear what I'm saying? Give until you feel cheerful because remember, greed and the um, and, and the way that we get rid of it is that we actually need to do this and the habit itself that we start to create is going to get rid of that greed in our hearts. Remember, we as stewards of God, we're not owners. We are managers. We are not owners. We are managers. And the truth is, is that God owns everything. King David recognized this for king. Anybody to acknowledge that God is the owner of everything is unusual. But in David's day, it was generally accepted that the king owned everything and everything and everybody in his realm. But David knew better. All right. We are God's stewards and a good steward manages well his master's money. Okay. Turn with me to Mark chapter eight. Sorry, I'm having a little bit of a hard time here with my iPad. Here we go. Let's go to verse 36 in chapter 8. <clears throat> and it says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? 
Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my worst in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Greed, what it is, is that we are making the money itself that comes in our possessions, we're making that and, and, and you know our, our gods, and they are taking our soul. Therefore, the way to get rid of that is to give it away. Give it away. Give it to somebody who needs. There's plenty of ways. Trust me that you can use this to further God's kingdom in any way, shape, or form. Oh well, you know I don't like giving away the tithe because. Uh, I don't trust how they manage it. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you this. You might not agree with me and that's okay, but that's not your problem. That is not your problem. You do what you're supposed to do. God's going to take care of us. But you think God can't take care of his, of, of his finances? Yes, he entrusts us to do that. Oh, well, you know what? If I tithe, I know that maybe the treasurer is going to embezzle that and all that. kind. Of, I mean, I've heard these stories time and time again. And what they are, their excuse is not to give. Their excuse is not to give. Interestingly enough, certain generations actually, you know, going from the boomers to the Gen Xers, to the Gen Xers, to the millennials, to the Gen Zers, et cetera, et cetera. Certain generations, when you look at statistically speaking, they actually have a harder time giving than other generations. I'm not going to put any generation on blast right now. But the fact of the matter is, is that when we just like to hold on to stuff just for the sake of it, we miss out on the blessings that God wants to pour out on us. In Malachi, we read that over and over and over again, chapter three, bring the tithe and offerings into the storehouse, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But God is really, this is my favorite part of that, is that God is saying, I want you to test me. I want you to test me on this. And maybe this is what you need to do. Maybe you you just kind of give just for the sake of it, just as a habit, but you haven't really tested God. And when it comes to this kind of stuff, God reminds us, test me. Because, hey, what did God promise? I will pour, all right? I will pour blessings upon you that your cup is going to overflow. Your crops are going to grow in an amazing way. And God's promises are real. Remember, if you wanna get rid of that greed, the best thing to do is to give. Give in a way that you're saying, I want to get rid. Remember in Ephesians 4.31, get rid of your anger, get rid of malice, get rid of greed. Get rid of it as soon as possible. God is saying, I want you to do this because I want to bless you and I want you to be free. You know, money's chaining you down. You're putting too much emphasis on the stuff that you have and you're not putting enough emphasis on me. God is saying, yo, I got you. I got you, Holmes. I promise you that this is definitely something that I am going to work with you, but it requires action. It requires action in your part. Let me say it this way, okay? 
it is easier. I want you to listen to this. It is easier to behave yourself into a new way of thinking than to think yourself into a new way of behaving. Did you catch that? Let me say it one more time. Maybe you want to write it down. It is easier and more effective to behave yourself into a new way of thinking than to think yourself into a new way of behaving. So in other words, if you wait till you feel like giving, you're going to be waiting forever. But if you take action, then guess what? The neuro, the, the, the you know, I'm not even a, a neuro, what do you call it? I don't, I'm trying to sound smart over here, but the neuro paths in your brain, they start to reshift and they start to, you know, uh, think, you know, they, they start to shift. They start to uh, see this new pattern in you and you do it to the point where it becomes completely natural. And God is saying, this is exactly what I want to do in your life. You take action. God is going to take care of the hard part. But and then this is an and, and this is a way that we say to God, God, I'm really serious about this. I realize I have a problem. Don't just stay there, by the way, just realizing that you have a problem. Take action. It is your choice. It is a decision that you can make. And I'm telling you right now that God is a God that blesses these efforts. He blesses these efforts once and for all. He knows what he's doing. He wants to free you from the bondage of guilt, of anger, and greed. God is saying to you today, give it to me. Take action. Take that first step. Remember, take that first step, and then I'm going to come and take care of the rest. I'll leave you with this, and we'll end this with this story. But you remember when Jesus, okay, remember when Jesus was walking on water in the middle of the storm, and all the disciples were afraid because there was, you know, the storm was getting really, really strong and the waves were hitting and all that. They were freaking out because Jesus was walking on water. And so Jesus says, hey, hey, guys, do not be afraid. It is I. Peter, obviously, the one that, you know, wanted to take the more risk. Well, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. And, you know, Jesus said, hey, just come. And of course, Peter started walking on water. Now, granted, we made these, we, we've heard this many stories that, yeah, Peter took, started sinking once he took his eyes off of Jesus, and that is true. But the point of that that I'm trying to make in that story is that in order for him to get to where Jesus was, Peter needed to take that first step himself. A scary step, but the first step nonetheless. Take the first step. God is there waiting for you. God bless you.